We hope today's message will encourage you and strengthen you with God's Word. We are certainly living in a world that is constantly changing, but God's Word will always be true. The Bible tells us that God is unchanging and will always be all-knowing, all-powerful, the Creator and Sustainer of life. God's Word is truth and life, and we are thankful for the opportunity to share His Word with you each week. This sermon was recorded at Rolling Fork Baptist Church in Nelson County. You can find out more information by visiting rollingforkbc.com or find us on Facebook, listed as Rolling Fork Baptist Church of Boston, Kentucky. And now, let's listen in to this week's message. Amen. If you would take your Bibles and open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As we sing about heaven, as we preach about heaven this morning, I want you to think about what awaits us if you're a child of God. It's interesting that in this passage of Scripture we see some things that they were expecting as the, the body of Christ and as we look at this text this morning, I'd like you to uh, just place yourself in this time frame. They have been taught by Paul and Timothy and Silas, the other men, that, that Jesus was coming back. And I want to know this morning, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? Amen. Uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together this morning. And we pray that you'd help us to study your word in such a way that we would learn from it and we would apply these truths to our hearts and that we would serve you to the very best of our ability as you work through us and around us. And we ask this name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. In verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Now, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 3, you will see in the last part of that verse they had a steadfast hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look in verse 10, you see that uh, he talked about uh, Jesus delivering us from the wrath to come. So as you return back to the chapter we're looking at today, I want you to understand this is the deal. They were concerned because they thought, first of all, maybe they've missed the rapture. Now, when I say rapture, there are a lot of people who argue against that. There, are, I showed you a few weeks ago when we had the, the eschatology uh, diagrams, the end time diagrams, how some people said that Jesus is coming before the tribulation, after the tribulation, before the millennium, and all these different kinds of aspects. In this particular passage of Scripture, it really leads me to believe that he is obviously talking about that Jesus could come any time because these people were waiting for him. And they had in mind that Jesus was coming before what we see in chapter 5. Look at chapter 5 for just a moment in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need for anyone, anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, the day in the Lord here that they're talking about in chapter 5 is talking about judgment. So when we see in chapter 4 
about grieving as those who have no hope. He's saying you are concerned that you may have missed the rapture because of the persecution that you're going through. And secondly, you have a question. What about those who have already passed away? How will they be united with us when Jesus comes back? And so as we think about today, the joy in Jesus Christ, we know that we have eternity in heaven as well as his love, his grace, and his mercy here on earth. Their emotions are mentioned again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where they were quickly shaken in mind and alarmed. So in, in chapter 4, verse 13, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant about this. We want you to be aware of the fact that everything is still on course. Those who are asleep, those who have, have passed on before us, he tells us throughout the scripture, will not miss this great event. In verse 14, so since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Everybody say, God will bring with him. Okay, that was some of you. Okay, so uh, we'll come back to you later. Uh, so God will bring with him. So here's what I want you to see, that when Jesus Christ comes back, everybody who has gone on before us, remember we said that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, here's the thing that you got to understand. When we die, our bodies, the housing that we live in, is placed in the ground. That is true. But the moment that you die, your spirit either goes into the presence of God or into a place of torment. And we know this because if that was not the case, then Jesus would lie when he tells about Lazarus and the rich man. He says that the rich man was in the place of torment, Lazarus is in the place of Abraham, and said so that nobody can come from here to there or there to here. And so Jesus, when he comes, God is sending these saints to be re reunited with us, but also to receive glorified bodies. In, in heaven, there's no sickness and no pain. There's none of the ailments that we have here on earth. And God is going to send with them those who have fallen asleep. In verse 15, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, perhaps Paul was talking about John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, look at this, I will come again and take you to myself, that you, where I am you may be also. He did not say, I will send an angel to come and get you. He says, I will come for you myself. In that same verse, in verse 15, those of us who are alive who were left until the coming of the Lord. He didn't say, well, whoever's alive at that time. 
The possibility truly was any time. He was expecting Jesus Christ. And we also see this in the writing of John and some other people. So we need to live our lives in such a way that this could be the day that we see Jesus Christ face to face. That we need to make sure that our hearts are in tune with him, that our minds are clear of any worldly passions, and that we are focused on seeing him face to face with joy. And we will not pass those. We will not uh, precede those who have fallen asleep. Look at verse eight or 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Paul said there will be three audible signs or sounds that you will hear. You will not miss this. I think it would be very hard to miss a cry of command when God says, go get my children. I think it would be hard to miss this angel with this voice. I think it would be hard to miss the trumpet of God. This trumpet of God is like the head in the Old Testament. When they would sound the trumpet, everybody would come together. He says, you're going to hear this. Now, you know I like to talk about phrases that are only in one spot of the Bible and not in the rest of the Bible. This is the only verse that you will see the phrase, the dead in Christ. I want to ask you this morning, who is the dead in Christ? Was Paul referring to only the New Testament believers? Was he talking about the New Testament believers plus all of the Old Testament Jews? Was he talking about all those in the New Testament who were believers plus all the Old Testament uh, Jews who were saved by faith? You have a note in your bulletin. R.C. Sproul once wrote, For Paul, those in Christ constitute a subcategory of those in Adam, the whole human race, and compromise all who participate in the salvation of Christ, including the old covenant believers who lived before his incarnation, and of course all who trusted him since the incarnation. What's going on is this, that before the Old Testament is finished, everything in Scripture is pointing forward to the coming Messiah. And everything since the New Testament is obviously pointing back to the cross. The cross is the center of the gospel. Apart from the cross, there is no gospel. What is the gospel? Well, it's the holy God who has created us. He made us in his image, and yet we have sinned against him through Adam and Eve. And because of that, there was the barrier and man has tried everything in the world to get back into God's grace on his own power, and it cannot be done. So God sent the perfect sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. He was the perfect substitution. And he paid the penalty that we could never pay. And because he paid that, we have the opportunity to be a new creation in Christ. And so this dead in Christ, you say, well, how can they be in the ground if they're already in heaven. Well, again, as I told you earlier, in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, 
I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I remember hearing years ago a preacher talk about doing a hospital visitation. And he went in this lady's room and uh, uh, the lady was there and she was very, very weak in her physical sense. And uh, the preacher said, uh, I'm here to pray for you. And she says, before you pray, let me give you some instructions. She says, don't you dare pray for me to get well. I'm ready to go home. Okay, she was determined. She was ready to see Jesus Christ. She had enough of this old world. And yet for some reason, we have this mindset that we want to stay here instead of being in his presence. Now, I'm not saying go rush the situation, but at the same time, we need to be anxiously awaiting the opportunity to see him face to face. This passage of scripture we're studying today is very similar to what you see in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, and verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now the reason he called it a mystery was because in the Old Testament it wasn't revealed to them. But through the New Covenant and the New Testament we understand what he's talking about. This new mystery says, We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. And this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And the mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Everybody say, thanks be to God. That was a lot better than last time. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Jesus says, I'm coming back. God cannot lie. And so scripture is going to happen exactly like it said. Now, here's some blanks for you to fill in. In John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, Jesus talked about two resurrections. There's the resurrection of the life and the resurrection of the judgment. In the passage that we're reading today, we see that those who are in Christ, that resurrection is taking place and the glorified bodies and the spirits coming down with God through Jesus Christ are united. He said in John 5, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good for the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, in the passage of reading today, those who are not in Christ are not being raised at this moment. But they will be raised later at the time of judgment. But the fact of the matter is, I want you to understand that Jesus, when he said in John 11, I am the resurrection, he was telling the truth. And he's coming back in verse 17 of our passage this morning. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together. That word caught up is also the word to to snatch, to grab, to uh, see suddenly. 
without resistance. This is not one of these cases that God's going to take you and you wish that he hadn't. He's going to snatch you up and you'll be like, oh, glory, hallelujah. In Revelation chapter 20, John says that I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those who, whom the authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their forehead or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Listen to this. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. And they will be priests of God and of Christ. And they will reign with him for a thousand years. So when you take these two passages of Scripture, it clearly indicates that the rapture is before this thousand-year reign. He says, you haven't missed it. Keep going. Keep pushing on. Keep enduring. Keep holding on to your faith. Keep serving God with all your heart. That's why in verse 18 of our passage this morning in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So what kind of encouragement can we receive from this? Well, number one, I want you to think about the fact that everyone who has been saved by God will be remembered. That God's not going to make the mistake of going back to heaven and say, wait a minute, I think somebody's missing. I, I, I feel like we left somebody back there that we should have picked up. That's not going to happen. You can rest assured that if you are in Christ, Romans chapter 8 says that neither death nor life or principalities or anything else can separate you from the love of God and anything else that can be named. If you are in Christ, your eternity is secure. The second thing that I want you to see there is that everyone who's been saved by God will be gathered. You'll not only be remembered, but you'll be gathered together with all the saints. Again, nobody is going to be forgotten. Nobody is going to be left behind that God did not intend to bring together. Amen. And if you're a child of God, you can go to the bank on that. And this third statement is basically saying the same thing, but I'm going to give it to you three ways. Nobody who has been saved by God will miss this event. Nobody. 
who has been saved by God will miss this event. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's have a time of confession. How many of you like to hit the snooze alarm on your, on your clock? Raise your hands. Or on your phone, wherever you all use them. So look at all these hands going up. Yeah, there you go. Get her hand up too. Yeah. So uh, I remember years ago when uh, Rhonda worked at a different shift than I did, and she kept hitting that snooze over and over and over. I said, listen, here's what you're doing. You're training yourself to ignore that sound. And there will be days that you'll be late for work. And, and guess what? There were days she was late for work because she trained herself to ignore that. Let me ask you a question. Are you listening for the sound of the trumpet? Are you listening for Jesus Christ to come and take you home? Is your mind set on Jesus Christ or are you focused on this world? This world promised you so many things, but yet it cannot give you anything that is lasting. It's only for the moment. You may think you're having fun. You may think that you're happy, but in a little while comes the guilt and shame. But through Jesus Christ, there is no guilt and shame. Through Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. Through Jesus Christ, it is joy and peace and everlasting mercy. Nobody who's been saved by God We'll miss this event. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Listen, we haven't seen the worst of it yet. I saw a picture this morning on Facebook or Twitter, one, I don't remember which one it was, but anyway, talking about what the church has faced in the last couple of years. All of these attacks upon the church, but Jesus says upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Friends, no matter what the world dishes out, Jesus Christ is still over everything. Let us rejoice and encourage each other with these words. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that as we sing this song that we would remember that no matter what we face, that you have lifted us up through love and grace and mercy. Father, thank you for saving us through Jesus Christ. And for those who are not yet saved, I pray that today that you would speak to their hearts and call them to repentance and, and give them the responsibility of growing up in you as you work in them and through them. And we ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing. Love.